0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network.
2: Today is August 25th, 2015. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network. Joining me today, we have co-host Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired former deputy secretary for the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs and also past department commander for the DAV of the state of Maryland. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary. As always, it's always
3: good to be with you.
2: All right. Now, you remember last week's show, Bill, don't you? That was a pretty yes. interesting show. You know, we had Carrie Childress, Vice President for Communications for the Fisher House Foundation, and Brian Gaughan, Vice President of Operations. And Fisher House has helped over two hundred and twenty thousand military families. That's pretty that's a lot of families. For twenty five years, Fisher House Foundation, better known as for its sixty-four homes away from home, which are built around military and veteran hospitals, and has also been operating Hero Miles since two thousand four. And, and provided more than 50,000 free tickets to families to be near their loved ones, saving these families a total of more than $73 million. The Fisher House Foundation is a resource we highly recognize. So next time you're thinking about donating, think Fisher House. Bill, why don't you go ahead and introduce our special guest today?
3: Yes, Gary, and we are honored to have with us this morning Jason Hall. Jason is a screenwriter, director, executive producer, and Jason was born in Lake Arrowhead, California and attended Phillips Exeter Academy and the University of Southern California where he studied theater before finding his way into the cinema department. Jason began his career working primarily as an actor on such shows as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and CSI Miami. But always, Jason had a passion for the filmmaking side. Like other actors looking to control their own destiny, Jason began writing, and it quickly evolved into a full-fledged career. Jason's feature debut, Spread, was produced by and starred Ashton Kutcher. Jason then co-wrote the thriller Paranoia, starring Harrison Ford, Gary Oldman, and Liam Hemsworth under the direction of Robert Lupti. Jason is a product of a proud military family. His grandfather was a World War II vet. Jason's uncle was a Marine in Vietnam. And his half-brother a, was disabled, doing service in uh, the Army during Desert Storm. Having witnessed the effects of war on those who fight, Jason was intrigued by the remarkable story of Chris Kyle. After meeting Chris, Jason was honored to be entrusted with helping to tell Jason, his story on the screen. American Sniper marks his third produced screenplay. Jason currently has several diverse projects in development, including Rasputin for Leonardo DiCaprio's Apian Way, and Thank You for Your Service, the film adaption of David Finkel's book, which he wrote and will direct, for producer Steven Spielberg. Jason, welcome to the American Heroes Network. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate right.
2: it. Jason, we'd like to congratulate you on also uh, being nominated for six Academy Awards for that uh, American Sniper. That's phenomenal. That's really great. Now, yeah. Jason,
4: it was a, it was a real pleasure
2: all right now jason what what motivated you to do the uh chris kyle story and tell us about chris and his reaction uh to you writing his story
4: uh well when i first met chris he he was surprised that anyone wanted to tell his story at all there was a uh you know, there was a humility to chris that that doesn't exactly come across in the in the uh in the book but he was he was shocked that anyone wanted to tell his story at all and and uh the book had not yet happened either. So he was, you know, he was recently back. I think he was about six months back and he was, he thought there were probably better stories to tell than his, but, uh, he was kind of chagrined by the whole thing and, and humored me.
2: Yeah. All right. All right. Now, when you first, how did you go about meeting him for the first time? Uh, an
4: investment banker out in New York who was looking to invest in, in chris's uh startup security company said hey you guys might want to meet this guy if they're you know if i was ever going to invest in a movie it would be about this guy he's uh he's got an incredible story and he told us about his uh his confirmed kills most in the u.s military history and um and also about some of the other exploits he'd gotten himself into and uh I had I had done some research and some other projects I'd written that involved spec ops guys and, and military guys. And like you said, I have uh, plenty of military in my family, and I've I've seen some. Uh, it was it was more of a whisper of the effects of war in in the relatives who you know would talk about it and would tell tell a few stories, tell the colorful stories and and the triumphant ones. But uh, you know, I sensed that there was more there, and. Um, and so I I went down to meet Chris, knowing that that killing like that can take a toll on a man, and uh, and knowing that he did four tours of duty, I didn't have I didn't have any any relatives who had done anything like that, so I I wondered what effect that had on the man, and um, and so I went down to see, and and I saw that it it took a great toll on him. You know, you could see it in his eyes. There was. Uh, there was a price he paid for this. It wasn't. Uh, it didn't come freely to him. It wasn't. It wasn't like he didn't waltz back into America and into his house, happy, joyous, and free, and you know America's beloved hero. He came back, and he had a he had a great weight on his shoulders, and and there was some turmoil in his eyes. And that's what really interested me was the cost of this, the sacrifice of
3: this man. Jason, this is Bill. I, uh, I I saw a particular quote, I, and, and correct me if I'm incorrect about this, uh, and you describe Chris as a man who believed in something, and uh, it contributed to uh, the being useful to the government that needed to go to war. And you talk about the cost that Chris, in uh, his physical health, his mental health, and almost cost him his family, and I think you further stated that Chris probably would have paid the price over and over again because uh his, uh, his patriotism. Now, coming uh, yourself from a, a proud family of uh, persons who have served in the military, I kind of juxtapose this against all of these wars, uh, World War II, uh, Korea, uh, Desert Storm, Vietnam, and the kinds of prices that Chris and other uh, persons who serve the country. How do you think uh, our, our, our society, including the government, our businesses, look after these individuals who, uh, you know, stood tall and, 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 and went to, uh, to do something in the name of this great country?
4: Um, the short answer is not very well for me. Um, what I've seen is, is less than impressive of, of how we welcome these guys home. You know, we have the greatest military industrial complex in the world. We have a, we have a great way and, and preparation and um, zeal with which we go about preparing and, and inserting these, these forces into war, but we don't have to show the same preparation or zeal in bringing them home. And it's uh you know admittedly, it's much harder to prepare for. It's much more esoteric and there's uh there's personal situations that that guys are walking back into that that are unique to them but but the distance we go to in trying to trying to do that is uh is is really wanted in in my opinion. and look, there are plenty of organizations out there. you mentioned the Fisher house. they do a great job. Uh, you know, IAVA, Rubicon, all of these, there's a, there's a tremendous push from, from these special interest groups. But th- that's what they are, they're special interest groups. And um, in terms of our veterans affairs, in terms of our, our nation welcoming these guys home, I think there's a real disconnect between, between these soldiers and the public. We don't, we don't even know how to talk to them let alone welcome them home let alone embrace them and, and and welcome them back into the fold and make sure these guys are taken care of
3: so Not the true. best
4: the best we know how to do is say thank you for your service
3: which most well, you of these know guys Chris hear that sorry go uh, ahead. uh, uh Jason that, that there's a saying that uh, you know as far as the government is concerned when there's a time for war we always find the money to prosecute the war, but when the warriors come home, then we begin to talk about the shortages and unavailability of services. I, I, do you think that there's some kind of groundswell that, in this day and time as we know it now, uh, to, to 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 begin to raise the conscious? level much higher than it's been, and to recognize that we do uh, 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 owe a debt of ga- gratitude to the men and women who have served our great country.
4: I do feel that there's some kind of groundswell, but unfortunately, I don't think a groundswell is enough without a call to action and, and, and real steps put in front of us where real Americans can take, can take some kind of action and invest themselves in something that feels like a, a unified, um, a unified front to to address this issue. You know, there's a ton of of these groups, but they're kind of scattered around, and each one does a slightly different thing. And it's, you know, for me, it feels like it's time for us to find a, a bipartisan um, cause that we can that we can all invest in that pushes for the same thing, and and. You know, for me, I think there needs to be some form of a Veterans Bill of Rights. If these guys walked off the plane and they were guaranteed three or five things when they got home, an appointment, this kind of medical care, and and this kind of job interview or or placement, in, in a certain amount of time, in the first three weeks they were home, we'd be dealing with this differently. They're just not guaranteed anything. If they want anything, they've got to, they've got to go chase it down. And you know, these guys come home and they've been, they've been in the desert for, for nine months, a year. Most of these guys are gone a year and, uh, and they come back and they're, they're so scattered and, and trying to reacclimate to their families and, and, and just the being here to the colors, to the, to the weather, to all of it to go chase down and fill out a bunch of forms and, have people, you know, kick you to the next aisle over and, and tell you to wait in the line that goes around the block, it's not going to work for these guys, and, and that's where we lose them. So I think there needs to be some guarantee, and uh, we, need to, we need to all of these groups need to come together in some way and support support one real easy, you know, simple cause. And, and for me, that sticks out as some kind of veteran's bill of rights. There needs to be a guarantee.
3: Right, maybe, right. maybe, maybe, maybe a uh, something that we could call a thread of unity for our servicemen yep. and women. Right.
2: Absolutely. Well, it's, it's that time again. It's break time, and I just want to remind everybody that our show is brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. I want to remind you that if you're ever in the Medford, Oregon area, be sure to stop for breakfast or lunch at Punky's Diner. Also every Wednesday morning, they host the American Heroes Breakfast Club. They have a lot of veterans that show up for this. It's a, it starts about 7.30, quarter to 8, so be there early. Be sure to get there early because you won't get a seat. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back.
1: Find
0: out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. network.com and syndicated on
1: iTunes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com.
2: Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, uh, Jason Hall. And uh, Jason, why don't you tell us about the book that you have uh, coming out very soon? Or is it out already?
4: Uh, the book is out already. It's called Thank okay. You for Your Service. written by David Finkel, who's, uh, who also wrote a book previous to that, where he embedded with soldiers in Iraq for a year called Good Soldiers. Uh, Good Soldiers covers his, his time in Iraq with these guys of the, uh, the 216, who, uh, who then returned, and he, and he followed their stories. And uh, thank you for your service, which deals with them coming home and the, uh, the situation they come home to is a lot like we're talking about where, uh, where they're trying to find their way back into, uh, into their families and, and into some care and, uh, struggling to do that uh, with this system that we have that's so unfortunately broken. And, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're set to make that in January. We're going to start filming that, but, uh, it, it does mean a lot to me because going through this with Chris and and watching him, you know, from the process of when I first met him to to right before I finished the script, there was a, there was a big change in this guy, and uh, and you saw him come back to his life. But it took it took two and a half years,
2: yes.
4: and it was uh, it was a softening, and it was a. It was a return, you know. It's the hero's return. It's what Homer writes in in the Odyssey and uh so finding his way back to himself. And I think that's a process that a lot of these guys go through. But it takes time and it takes care and it takes concern. And, you know, Chris had a more than ideal situation than, than most of these guys have because you know, he came back a hero and everybody wanted to shake his hand and give him a job where that's not the case for a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys come home and and they're they have no prospects for a job they have no way to pay their rent they're uh you know making whatever they're making from the government, whether they're on disability or not and they're trying to they're trying to get their thoughts straight and they're trying to um trying to figure out what they're gonna do with the rest of their lives and uh and so they come back to disparate disparate circumstances and uh and so it it means a lot to me to have watched Chris go through that process to watch his recovery and then and then to start meeting these guys from the book and and to see those circumstances that are so much less than ideal and um, find a way yes. to tell their stories and and hopefully in telling their stories, we tell the stories of the other
3: two and a half million servicemen who are coming home well Jason, you know that's an interesting point. This is Bill again. You know, the story goes that uh, our government does an outstanding uh, uh, job in prepar- preparing us uh, to uh, participate in war. And, and it, it's called basically basic training in, in pre- preparing for war. And, you know, sometimes the question occurs to me, well, why don't we have uh, some basic training in our reintegration Back into society, you know, we're leaving the battlefield and combat, coming, returning to home and community, and our reintegration has not always been the best. I mean, you know, we, we uh, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to be back, but begin, but we begin to have uh, go through depressive motion, uh, mo. Uh, minutes, and uh all kinds of things happen i mean just to reintegrate back with our families that can be a a a a a a, a real strong reach there with the, the 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 wife and the kids after being away I, I and I'm sure you probably experienced some of this with um uh chris and uh, maybe you've seen it with some of the other uh 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 persons that have served and, uh, probably address that in your book also. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And to be clear, it's not my book. It was written by Finkel, but we do, he, he absolutely does. He follows these guys home and he goes with them to the VA and he goes to their appointments with them. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he waits with them. And for us, it's, you know, you hear about these nine month wait times. That's one thing for a civilian who's waiting to get a mole taken off his shoulder or whatever. Uh, it's a whole other thing for a soldier who's trying to sort out his thoughts and uh, and returning with some of this, the burden of these memories that he doesn't feel he can talk to other people about. Um, you know, oftentimes they don't feel they can share these things with their wife, with their certainly not with their kids, and and uh, it's it's something that only their brothers will understand. So it's a it's a real challenge to 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 sort of get that idea across because it's so personal to each person. And it's, uh, it's, a tremendous, it's a tremendous amount of time to wait for somebody who's going through something where every minute can seem like a week and every week can seem like a month. It's, uh <clears throat> you know, time is, time is changed by trauma, they say. They say that trauma sears new pathways, neural pathways in our brain. So everything around the trauma is remembered differently than, than we remember the rest of our lives. It's stored in a different part of the brain, and it's, it's stored along a different neural system. So everything, they say that before recorded history, before we recorded marriages and whatnot, they'd take a six-year-old, they'd make him watch the marriage, and say, that's Tom and that's Sue. They just got married today. You got it? And He'd say, yep. They'd take him and they'd throw him in the river. And because the six-year-old can't swim... He's drowning. They pull him out just before he drowns. But because of that almost drowning, because of that trauma, they remember that day for the rest of their lives, and they also remember everything that happened around that day, including that marriage. So they're the living history. They were the living history of that marriage. Even, Even before we recorded all this stuff, we knew that trauma changed the way we remember things. And so these guys come home and we're like, why can't you get over it? Why can't you just forget about it? Well, I can't forget about it because it's recorded differently on their brain. It's recorded in a different part of their brain than their other memories. And so that's what they're going through. They're going through something that is extremely visceral. And look, I'm talking to you. You you, you must know this, whether from yourself or from others, that uh, these things are... are Remembered and recalled and and relived over and over again these tapes in a different way and uh, you know we're just now figuring out how how our brains work and how all this is is happening and uh, there's there's some tremendous research on all of this and and we're finding out new stuff every year it seems like but our understanding of it is still so wanting and our our social awareness of it and our social ability to reach out and embrace it, is also wanting because it's uncomfortable for society. You know, oftentimes we're sending these guys to do our dirty deeds. We're sending them to fight wars that we wouldn't want to fight. You know, uh, I look at things happening over there, and I'm like, gosh, that's terrible. What can we do about it? Well, what we do about it is we, you know, we see these people dying over there, and then we send our kids over there to die. And then we, then they get over there, and they're dying, and we, we're like, gosh, this is a terrible situation. What are we doing over there? And then when they come home, we realize, we remember, that war was ugly. That whole thing turned ugly. It turned bad, and uh, it's hard to embrace that. It's hard to, to separate, I think, for a lot of society, the soldier from, from the war. And, uh, you know, these were our boys. These were, these were our best young men who we sent to fight over there. But when they come home we know they've done something dirty and it's and it's it's hard for us to wanna to take that on. It's hard for us to open up our arms and be like, Tell me what it was like, tell me what you went through. So instead we say, Thank you for your service which is a little bit of a thank you very much. I don't want to hear too much more but uh I appreciate what you did, but please don't tell me about it.
2: Um,
4: Unfortunately Bill, do you-
2: Yes. Bill, do you uh, also agree where uh, the older you get, the more when you have it, something traumatic happen in the past, it comes back more often as you get older? <laughs>
3: well, absolutely, and especially uh, 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 being exposed to combat in the battlefield. And Jason, as you just mentioned, it's, 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 it's a trauma that we experience. I served in hmm. Vietnam 1967 through 1968 and uh we we always remember some of the things that are that we were involved in that we don't necessarily want to talk about but i think as you have uh, uh so well chronicled this in your discussion jason that when we get back to home and community uh you know there's 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 so much that needs to be done I'm I'm of the view that uh, the the greatest void in our veterans community is a lack of information. You know how to navigate the system, uh, how to, who to talk to, where to go, and when we don't know that, and with the trauma that we've been exposed to, it becomes uh, a situation where it's very difficult for us to deal with, and we begin to surrender and throw up our hands and say. You know, the hell with this. You know, it's not going to happen. But we can't allow that to happen. And I think that, again, gets back to the groundswell and that that, that thread of, uh, of unity to coming to and helping those men and women who've served this country and given their best. Yeah,
2: Definitely definitely. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead. This time is going and flying by there, Bill. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, don't forget to visit the American Heroes Network Radio's archive library of radio shows. We have actually created a veterans resource that is truly making a difference through our weekly live shows. All the shows are archived on demand for easy access to resources and events anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on a variety channel, and we
1: If you want to find out more about us, or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network
2: at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Jason Hall. Jason, getting back to Chris, uh, there was a time that you went to meet him, and uh, I guess there was a little wrestling match, wasn't there? Yeah, not with Chris, thank God. No, 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 no. <laughs> to finally to finally get a hold of him and talk to him, you had to face some challenges. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah, you know, I walked into a, a situation out at a ranch where Chris was teaching about uh, 50, 60 Texas police officers, Texas Rangers and Texas SWAT teams. Uh, they had him out there hunting, and they were doing some some uh, firearms technique stuff that he was... He was basically, you know, doing doing some shaking the trees, trying to get some business for a security company and they have him out and go hunting and uh yeah, so I walked into a room with about sixty uh Texas police officers and a and a couple Navy SEALs and it was not uh it was not the easiest room I'd ever walked into. And uh, bet.
2: <laughs>
4: over the course of the day I was getting you know, I'm a Hollywood screenwriter who walks in wearing Converse. i only guy in the room without boots on. I was probably wearing the wrong shirt too, and and the wrong pair of jeans. I'm sure, and you know, about a eighty dollar haircut. And uh, these guys looking at me like I'm a clown. <laughs> and uh, I don't I don't drink anymore, so they did. They automatically didn't trust me there. And uh, some uh, SWAT guy was giving me a hard time, and kept giving me a hard time, and kept giving me a hard time, and finally got around tonight, and this guy just wouldn't stop. And, uh, yeah, so I ended up throwing him in a headlock, uh, just threw him to the ground and shook him up a little bit, tried to choke him out. And, uh, and Chris liked that a lot. They, they, my relationship with him changed instantly. And he
2: said, I bet. He said Hey,
4: this guy's all right. You're all right. What do you <laughs> want to know? And before that, yeah. he'd been real quiet. You know, he could be, he be real quiet. Everyone around him would tell stories and he kind of sit there and roll his eyes and and like chuckle and uh after that he said he pulled me aside and was like what do you want to know you're yeah, all, right. uh, all right and that was kind of the beginning of, of our relationship that was that was how i earned his trust which is you know these guys have a different uh they have a different tribe they have a different way of operating and uh an outsider doesn't always fit in unless they find some some commonalities so it was uh
2: I was lucky enough to wrestle in college, so I, I did all right. All right. Uh, was was uh, Chris also a storyteller?
4: You know, Chris wasn't a, a storyteller, and that's the funny thing about Chris. Is people, you know, people, some people think he tooted his horn quite a bit. It was, uh, it wasn't Chris tooting his horn. It was everyone around him loved to tell stories about Chris. And, uh, you know, we'll call him the legend. The legend was a joke. It was, it was at first, you know, they were using it sarcastically, and then it became his, his nickname because he hated it so much. You know, I think he made the mistake of saying how much he hated it, and then after that it stuck. Um, but it, it was always everyone else around him who was telling the stories, and, you know, he would kind of look at me and roll his eyes like, you know, this guy's exaggerating or that guy's telling a tall tale and you know you can never tell what exactly how far this story had gone but uh you know from when I talked to Chris Chris would give me the the bare bones details of, of what would happen and, and what had happened over there and and he was he wasn't prone to confabulation he was uh you know he was very he was very he'd filled out a lot of these these after action reports and and that's how he talked when he talked about a a mission you know he talked about a a target and he talked about what they were wearing what they were what kind of weapon they were carrying how old they were and how how they fell and uh you know he was uh he was he was very businesslike in that manner that was that was his job that was what he did to uh to serve his country and to and and more than that, even to to save his boys, to save these guys who were around him, he had a very um, he had a very base instinct to protect to protect people, and you know that doesn't mean he didn't ever beat up on his on his little brother or anything like that. But there was when it came down to it, when it came down to life and death and and to a, a violent situation, his first reaction was to to protect the innocent ones. uh... And from that we found a story. From that I found a, a theme for for this guy who, you know, was a, was a sheepdog. Uh and had that had that gift of aggression but also was was uh was blessed with a a love for his fellow man.
2: Wow. You know, Jason, how long did it actually take you to write this screenplay and uh, uh when you first found out about Clint Eastwood joining and coming on board uh, how did how did that grab, grab you?
4: well you know I, I i started writing this screenplay i think it was in uh, uh september and i finished i finished writing um at the end of january and uh and i was working with chris the whole time and and talking to him the whole time about it and i'd call him with questions and sometimes he'd text back or call back and, and uh and i said chris i'm turning this Turning this thing in, and he said, "Well, good luck. I hope you work again." You know, he was always always had a joke, and, uh, and I said, "So do I." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he hadn't read the script, but uh, I turned it in on a Thursday, and then on Saturday I got a call from from one of his buddies, and he said, "Yeah, what are you doing?" And I said, "Well, I'm going out to pick my wife up for some dinner," and he said, uh, "I got to tell you, Chris was just murder." So he was uh he was he was killed two days after I turned in the script and it was uh it was it was a very traumatic event you know it was yes. I'd gotten close to him in the time in the two and a half years since I'd gone down there to meet him and in the certainly in the time that I had spent writing the scripts well, under under his tutelage and um it was it was a very intense moment and we spent a time you know i i went down to the funeral and reacquainted myself with tay and spent and a couple hundred hours on the phone with her, going through uh, going through all the grief that you can you can imagine that she went through in the in the days and weeks and, and months after that event. Um, but but it was uh, it was after that that Spielberg came on for for a period of time, and then and then he he came off the project. And uh, I got a call one day from Bradley Cooper, and he said, "You're never going to believe who's going to direct the movie." I said. You know, I was depressed after after Spielberg had come off. I could imagine that anybody anybody better than that was out there. And uh, he said, you're never going to believe it. And I said, uh, just tell me who it is. I was I was pissed off. <laughs> and, he, and he said, uh, you know how we talked about this as a Western? And I was like, Bradley, just tell me. And he's like, Clint Eastwood. And uh, so
2: that, that was a real good day. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. That's phenomenal. Now, it's, yeah. uh, when when uh, I remember reading something about uh, when uh, I think pronounced her name T- Taya, Taya Chris is T- Taya. Um, now, when she saw the movie and wa- was walking out, she mentioned something to you uh, and thanked you for it. Do you remember that?
4: Yeah. Yes, yeah, she said, uh, and, and it was in regards to Bradley's performance.
2: Mm-hmm. Primarily,
4: you know, she said, "I I just spent two and a half hours with my husband."
2: That is, and phenomenal. she thanked
4: us. You know, she mm-hmm. thanked us. She uh, she said, "I can't believe it. That was Chris. He was Chris. I just spent two and a half hours with my husband. Uh, that was that was about as good as it gets. You know, there, a lot of stuff came after that, and a lot of um, a lot of excitement and and celebration, and the, you know, certainly." Being nominated and and then box office and and all that stuff, but uh, that was the high point for me. You know, yes. being able to do an honor to to this woman who so so recently had lost her husband, and uh, having her say that meant just meant the world to me.
2: That's unreal.
3: All right, and Bill. Well, I tell you, this is uh, really exciting to to hear this. You know, uh, one of the things, uh, Jason, uh, that kind of caught my attention is that uh, uh, with uh, you starting this uh, movie off about uh, uh, Chris uh, with uh, casualties of war shaping the lives who've served for a long time, uh, after the war ends uh you know you're using those casualties and uh and and as i just said that that has an effect on all of our lives for the rest of our lives uh and, and i i'm 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 interested to know uh uh what uh, led you in that direction to using the uh, the casualties uh to starting it off.
4: Are, are you speaking of "Thank You for Your Service," the new movie?
3: Yes, yes,
4: yeah. You know, it was it was primarily watching the and hearing from Taya. Chris didn't talk about it too too much about the trouble that he had when he got home, but uh, he did have trouble. He certainly had trouble, and you know, some of it was documented in his book. But it was. Uh, it was a real struggle for them and they weren't sure they were going to make it. And, and he was, he was drinking too much. And, and so to hear from her how how the war that they went through, the after war that they went through when he got home was, it it was a movie in itself, you know, to, to hear that struggle. And it was, (sighs) It was something you know. We've seen a few movies like that. Coming home did that. Um, if you remember back to Best Years of Our Lives, yeah, it was, it was yeah. a great movie. Followed some guys home, uh, and, and that's a prime example. Best Years of Our Lives, but you know, ninety nine percent of of people out there are scratching their head yeah. in, unless they're you know a little bit older and, and have been watching the movies for decades and decades. We don't have that Best Years of Our Lives and that Coming Home and that and that Deer Hunter, so. I just wanted to be able to explore that uh that struggle that after war coming home and and what that's like for these guys and you know it's not as glamorous it's uh we depict war in cinema and ho- in Hollywood all the time because uh, war is inherently dramatic war is inherently climactic uh you know th- everything's turned up to a nine the 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 humor the the sorrow the joy the beauty of of war is is uh, is is something to behold, but we don't often witness this after war. And so I felt if I could find that same beauty, the same horror, the same joys and, and friendships and bonds, if they existed in this after war, um, that that would be something really interesting to explore in a movie, and and also would be a movie of cause. You know, would be would hopefully become a rallying point for for these issues that I feel are, are so underserved and um, and that's what we're hoping to do you know we're hoping to really to make a great movie but also to to have it be more than a movie to have it be a movement of sorts and, and find a way to to really get some work done with this thing and to uh, to back these guys and to really push push some honest change in, in the form of a in the form of a Bill of Rights a Veterans Bill of Rights so that's that's our goal with this. It's a it's a little bit lofty, but um, you know, if you don't shoot high, what it, what's the point in the shooting?
3: A- absolutely, and Jason, you know, uh, we we talk about the sacrifices that our families make when we uh uh those of us that are combatants and and we go and we serve in a war situation like this but the sacrifice continues for the families and especially in the case of a spouse or anyone who's very close to that combatant who served because they Take on these kinds of ills that uh, we come back with, and they're affected. And therefore, you know, the casualty numbers uh, is extended because whatever we're going through, that family member, that friend, whoever's close, is 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 a part of that, and it continues uh, within them.
4: Yeah, it absolutely does. And it's, uh, you know, they expect that homecoming to be, the end point to be the point at which everything's gonna everything's gonna be okay if they can just walk off that plane with with both arms and both legs and walk into my arms then everything's gonna be fine everything's we're gonna be safe and we're gonna be a family again and everything's gonna be good but but what they don't anticipate is these wounds these invisible wounds that are that our men and women come back with that uh, that are so hard to recover from because they uh they're just, you can't wrap your arms around it. You can't figure out how to heal it. You can't figure out how to address it, how to get it out in the open, and how to, how to begin, even to begin to walk up to some kind of healing process is, uh, is impossibly hard. Absolutely. So it's, uh, it, it certainly is a challenge for, for these families. And, and, you know, what David depicts in this book so well and what we hope to get into the movie is that these families go through their own war. And that war is not over when the soldier, when the when the returning family member who served, walks off the plane. That war yeah. is, in many ways, just beginning when they get off the plane because uh, they're bringing back a, a they're back a whole battlefield of issues, and uh, and it's a it's a real challenge for these husbands and wives who are have a returning service person walking back into their home.
3: All right. And the most that's, serious, uh, Jason, end product to that is what we've experienced in Vietnam and even today, suicides. You know, we we're accepting the fact that we have twenty-two of those a day, and if we accept twenty-two, in all probability, there's a lot more than twenty-two a day that's occurring. That's true. That's right.
2: That's, that's right. That's true. Now, Jason, where can they get their your book? Uh,
4: the book, thank you for your service, should be out on newsstands. it's there now. It's uh by David Fankel again. It's uh you can find it on iTunes, you can get it on your iBook and, and listen to it which is which is great as well. It's uh it's it's something to behold this book and it really goes into uh into the struggle of these guys when they come home and uh you know, my hats are off to to you, Colonel, and, and to all of these guys who find a way to come home and find a way to, to work through this. But like you said, there are so many guys who, who don't make it. And, uh, and there's a lot of those guys who are covered in this book as well.
2: Right. You know. Now, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Do you own a business? Would you be interested in saving money on your merchant account? Then check out our sponsor, First Class Merchant Services. By the way, they are national. Give Josh a call right now. His name is Josh Cole at First Class Merchant Services. Call 407 That's 407 You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel. And we'll be right back.
1: Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time, the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, Please send an email to American Heroes Network at Gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network
2: at Gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Jason Hall, and we're going to talk more or less about a resource. Uh, when there's someone that's making a difference with helping our veterans, we need to recognize that person. Jason, we <coughs> both mutual friend, Dr. Mark Gordon. And just a reminder for our listeners, Dr. Gordon is the medical director for CBS Studios. He participated in projects with HBO, ESPN, CNN, Fox, Good Morning, and a number of international programs and also has a successful practice practice. He appeared on the Joe Reagan Experience twice, where he had discussions on traumatic brain injury with you and ex-Penny Officer Navy SEAL Corpsman Matthew uh, Grosny, who spoke at length about his blast trauma, gunshot wound surgery, depression. Where did you first learn of Dr. Gordon, and what do you know about Dr. Gordon's work with our veterans?
4: Well, I was doing some research trying to figure out where, uh, <clears throat> where the cutting-edge healing was going on with with these guys. And as you know, traumatic brain injury was the signature wound of the, the Iraq Afghanistan wars. And, uh, and what traumatic brain injury does is it, is it jars the brain and the brain hits the, the side of the cranium. There's a shearing of neural fibers that, that occurs. And, uh, you know, much like football and these concussions that we hear about in football and how they're affecting, the, our athletes this goes on with our soldiers when a blast occurs and not just a blast from an IED or, or uh, something like that. It's also the, you know, these guys are shooting a weapon and their face is against the weapon and it's jarring their, their head every single time. And, and so I did some research trying to find what the, what the cutting edge medical reaction and, and treatment was to these guys coming home. And I found Dr. Gordon who, uh, you know, when that occurs, when a concussion like that occurs, when, when those neural fibers are are shut off and sheared in the way that they are from some of that activity, a drop in the hormones takes place, and uh, and so Doctor Gordon, in, in a very simple way, I'm I'm telling it in the most black and white way possible. Doctor Gordon has has been helping these guys with hormone therapy, and when you look at the the symptoms of of traumatic brain injury, a lot of times and and some PTSD. What you're talking about is you're talking about uh, a depression, bouts of rage, loss of loss of sleep, loss of sexual appetite, sleeplessness, uh, you know, worry, remorse. All of these things are also the same symptoms they're describing on some of these low testosterone commercials that you you see on ESPN or or, or any of these other channels. And uh, and so what he's been doing is treating them with hormones, and it's uh, and he's had remarkable success in bringing these guys back to, to a real active and, uh, and, and healthy way of, of feeling and, and, and a healthy outlook on their lives through this hormone therapy, um, which is, which is remarkable to look at the work he's done.
2: That's phenomenal. All right. Now we only have a couple minutes left and, uh, Jason, it was a real pleasure having you on the show today. And, uh, what would you like to share with our listeners, uh, uh, more or less? When when is that movie going to come out? Thank you for your service.
4: Uh, we'll see if we can't get it out next year, or late next year, sometime. But yeah, year. Uh, we're we're really looking forward to going out and doing that uh, this winter, uh, January, February. But you know, for me, it's for me the the big message, and the colonel was talking about it as well is. It's finding a way to, to really personalize uh, what these guys have done for, for each of us to, f- to find a place in our heart to personalize that and personalize that sacrifice and become aware of it and find a way to, to approach any of these guys or, or, or girls in our lives who've gone off and fought and, uh, and, and do a little bit more, just finding a way to do just a little bit more. And, and if that means going up and having a conversation with them, and trying not to just, I know it's hard to, to walk up and say anything but thank you for your service. But it's, it's uh, you know, Adam Schuman, who's, who's written about and thank you for your service. I said, what's the most profound thing that anyone has said to you since you've been home from the war? And, and this is a guy who had been home for, for many years and been through some treatment and, and whatnot. And I expected something from a therapist. He said, I pulled up to a gas station and I was pumping gas. And uh, an older gentleman saw a sticker, a battalion sticker, on the back of my truck, and he said, "Did you serve over with the with the two sixteen over in Iraq?" And I said, "Yes, sir, I did." And he said, "Well, welcome home, son." All right. All right. And he hey, said well. that, that that experience and just hearing those words, "Welcome home," was was the most powerful thing, and it's so simple, but uh, it's it's
2: so hard to wrap our head around that uh, that's what they're waiting to hear. So. <laughs> I encourage anybody who can to do that. Well, again, Jason, it was a pleasure having you on the
3: show, and thanks for your time. And, Bill? Well, Jason, uh, uh, thank you uh, for your service uh, to our veterans and their families. I think you're doing a tremendous job. And, yes, we, we, we do need to find a way to create that groundswell. Because, Jason, I, I believe that uh, any time we bring someone into our military service, you know, we've made an investment in that in those individuals and uh, right. and they can still serve even after they've put taken the uniform off and 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 do good for the country you know we're not like a navy ship that after the war is over you put the ship in mothballs we're human beings. Right. We can still get out there and do some positive things. And uh, look, I mean, there's some way that we can team up on that with the American Heroes Network and whatever you're doing. We're here at your disposal because I think that's the way we've got to start to be able to turn this thing around. Yes. Yes, I absolutely
2: agree. All right. I appreciate it, Jason. Now, if you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7. And, yes, you can hear all the archived shows right from your phone. And remember, we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any device. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.
4: with breathe, rip, white, blue